It's time for a Big Blue Kickoff Live. Nobody can ever tell you that you couldn't do it because you did. On Giants.com. You know what I saw? New York Giant Prime. And the Giants mobile app. 17-14 at the final. One touchdown, we are world champions. Believe it, and it will happen. Part of the Giants Podcast Network. Let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs. Have some fun. Hello again, everybody. Paul Dottino and Jeff Fiegel's with you on Big Blue Kickoff Live here on Giants.com. We'll be here for the next hour to talk Giants football and NFL football, if you like. You can even get some Super Bowl stuff in there uh, if that is your preference. Our phone number is 201-939-4513, 201-939-4513. You can find us on Twitter at hashtag Giants Chat. He is at Jay Fiegel's. I am at Giants WFAN. And you can always find an archive of this entire podcast and everything on the Giants Podcast Network, on the Giants mobile app, podcast platforms everywhere, and at Giants.com slash podcasts. Jeff, it is Super Bowl weekend. Super Bowl Thursday. Well. We're going into Super Bowl Thursday. Yes, but it's an elongated <clears throat> Super Bowl weekend. I remember my Super Bowl Thursday. That's and that's exactly where. How did you know I was going to go there, <laughs> Jeff? For those what of you who don't remember, about? Jeff won Super Bowl Forty Two with the New York Giants. It was his only Super Bowl shot, mm-hmm. and one that fortunately was victorious. Probably Otherwise, the, you wouldn't feel nearly as good about it. In my opinion, the best Super Bowl there ever was. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> there you go. Uh, so, at what point did your nerves start to quiver? Funny stories. Uh, Trent Dilfer is a good friend of mine, and uh, he had you know, obviously played in that Super Bowl with the Ravens, and he told me that, you know, you're not going to get nervous until game day. That's what he told me, and I, I believed him. You know, I've been in a lot of football games going into that game, but it's not the Super Bowl. So it, I, I, got, I didn't get nervous at all during the week because it was just regular practice. It was out in Phoenix, which was amazing. Imagine being there now. It's 80 degrees there. Um, so... Everything was great, but he remembered. I remember him telling me that the emotion is going to hit you. It's not so much being nervous; it's the emotion is going to hit you, especially you, Jeff, because it took you 20 years to get there. And so, I do remember him telling me that, and not understanding if it was really going to happen. But it happened. <laughs> it happened all right, and by it happened th- by Thursday. No, no, Sunday. Oh, no, it, it waited like, till Sunday. Nothing was d- during the week was fine. Every, everything was fine. You capped it all the way till game day. Remember this. We were practicing in the facility that I actually played for for four years in right. Arizona. So the facility, everything was not new to me. It was all like old hat. So there was really nothing to like entertaining about it or to get nervous. Um, I was nervous on the Friday when David Tyreek dropped every ball that was thrown to him. <laughs> I was more nervous for him than me. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, it was just uh, that's to answer your question. I, I didn't get nervous i just got it was emotional on that sunday but thursday i mean you're getting close now today's thursday today's a work day as you know just like a regular week Mm -hmm. um but you know the thing about the super bowl is that you got to be able to and i'm 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 talking to you like i played in 50 of them right but what, what i've heard from players because of listening to interviews and people talk all this week and it's the truth is that you've got to be able to separate your family and friends from what you're really there to do because there's so much going on, right? I mean, think about where the Super Bowl is this year. It's in L.A. Think about all the distractions that are around in Los and Angeles. And one team is home. And one team is home. So, you know, I think that 
they, those guys, but the bottom line is that people are wanting tickets. They're, they're flying in for the game. They're going there. They want to go out to dinners. You know, you're doing all kinds of different stuff that you normally don't do during a regular football week, right? A regular season game. I mean, maybe a lot of players might have some traditions where they take their wives out on Monday night or Tuesday night or whatever it is, you know, but there's a lot of distractions that you have to be able to, the biggest thing and real quickly is that a lot of people don't know this. So you got the team hotel, which you understand that everybody stays there the whole week. But the, the greatest thing that we did, and I know that most teams do this, is, and you don't really know where they're going, is that we had the ho hotel on Saturday night separate. We got out of the regular team hotel where everybody was there getting ready for the game the next day and having their party and doing all the fun things when we had to concentrate. I don't know when that habit started, but I remember Super Bowl twenty five, Marv Levy, uh -huh. wound up moving the bills mm -hmm. a couple of days before the Super Bowl into a different hotel because he thought people were spying on them. Mm. And he got very paranoid. Yeah, well, all those coaches do. And, and I think since then, yeah. a lot of coaches will do that. Well, think about this. I mean, I, you know, for the hotel, you know, you got, a, you got 53 guys, you got 25 coaches, you know, so you're talking about 100 rooms maybe. Imagine trying to hold a hotel for a hundred rooms mm -hmm. during Super Bowl week. That's a, that's a big logistical yeah. nightmare, but they got to do it. And it's way in advance. You, you understand like, mm -hmm. you know, they're, they're, they're reserving that hotel for the home team and the away teams for just that night. It's, but you need it because it's kind of like you really need to get away and it's hard to get away because you're from, you're not that, you know, you're in a, you're there for a week. All right. So this begs the question. I said something the other day on the show, and I don't remember if you were on that program. I caught a lot of grief from our two youngsters, uh, John and, and Lance, about the potential of should the Super Bowl be at a neutral site? Now, it's been suggested in the past. In fact, it was the Kansas City Chiefs who had proposed to the league that there be neutral sites for the AFC and NFC championship games, not just for the Super Bowl. They had presented that both championship games should be at a neutral site, predetermined every like year. Right. And it didn't pass. Good. I don't think it's been brought up more than two or three times since. I'm of the opinion that the conference championship games need to be where they are. I don't think they should be moved. Neither. I do, however, wonder about we had neutral sites for the Super Bowl all the way up until last season when Tampa Bay had the home game. And now the Rams have a home game. It's pretty remarkable when you think about it. Over yeah, well, 50 Super Bowls before well, anybody had them. 54 of them. Right. Until they had a home one. It's pretty remarkable. But I wonder, I, I was of the thinking that it's to the home team's benefit <clears throat> to have the Super Bowl in their house. And I do think, to me, the environment is an issue being able to be in your own facilities and do everything. You just said you were in Arizona's facility for that Super Bowl. It made you feel better. It makes a difference. I mean, I don't know how much of a difference it really makes, but it but it does. It is a difference. You know, you feel comfortable. All right. And if that's the case, if there is a difference, however tangible it is, should that be the case for the biggest game at the end of the season for all the marbles? Should the playing field be as even as possible? Should there be any difference allowed, period? No. No, I, I, I don't, I don't want to change it. I, I feel like if you're that team from the AFC or the NFC, and you're, it just so happens that it's in your building that year, you're okay with it. Yeah, I say I was going to ask you on the other side of things, which I didn't think about when this popped into my head about neutral site.
was you just said the family, the friends, the tickets, and the hoopla stuff that you got to get rid of. How much trouble are the Rams having with those issues, given that the game is there? Maybe it's a negative that the Super Bowl is on their home site. That's what I was trying to get to. There's so many distractions. And just think about the Rams. They're in their own building. They're in their own city. But there's a lot of things going on um, that could distract you. Now, remember this. There's Super Bowl week wherever you're at. It's a constant party. You know that. From the day, Monday to Sunday is a constant. There's Super Bowl parties, NFL, well, PA parties. Since there's, the pandemic, all that's changed. But, but there's still this year. I, yeah, I don't know how yeah. much is going well, on this year. Of course, there's, there's going to be, although it's in L.A., so but there's still going to be things to do. But you're right. The last couple of years, it's been tabled. But in the years past, mm-hmm. I remember when I was working, uh, for, where I played for the Cardinals, they had the Super Bowl over in San Diego. So I actually drove over to San Diego. It's only a six-hour drive from Phoenix and went there for the whole week because of all the appearances that the ex, you know, the player that was current player at that point do appearances for everything. I mean, there's right. all kinds of stuff for you can make a lot of money off the field and it was mm-hmm. worth it, but I didn't go to the game. In fact, I didn't go to, I've never been to a Super Bowl until I went to the Super Bowl. That was my promise to myself. A good one to go to. Yeah, it was a really the best one. <laughs> and by the way, that one was free and they actually paid me to go. <laughs> exactly. You know, and you got a souvenir And I got some hardware for it. But um, I remember going to the San Diego one and there's just every day is just something that you were doing. And there's a NFL PA party and then there's a retired pl- players party. You name it. There's, you know. And they just got bigger and bigger. So a lot of distractions. And by the way, if you're if you're one of those guys that like to partake in a lot of that stuff, you got to be really careful because, you know, there's curfews and there's all kinds of stuff. So, you know, and up to this point this week, we haven't heard, you know, everything's been buttoned up pretty good. You know, once in a while you hear kind of some stories that come out and this and that. I mean, remember the year that the Raiders went and they and remember the night before the game? Mm-hmm. Holy smokes. Uh, that was that was, you know, so you just hope nothing like that does happen. Let me ask you this, uh, Jeff, from all the years that you played and all the teammates that you had. I have run into probably 90% of the players over the years have said to me, if they're not in the Super Bowl, they don't want to be there. And that's because they're afraid to jinx it before they go. Mm -hmm. And then other guys who say, once I've been there, I don't really feel a necessary need to go back. Well, Has that been the same thing that you have found? Yeah, that's the same thing with me. I mean, I, I never I know want, you yeah, said you were that yeah. way, but do you feel most of your teammates felt that way too? Yeah, I don't know. I, I think it might be split down the middle. I, I, I think some guys just don't care. They'll go. They, you know, it's, it's, it's a lot of fun to go see people. Remember, the younger you are, the better it is, right? Because, you know, the league is young. And so you got a lot of teammates and, ex, you know, players that have played you might have been on another team with teammates kind of it's fun to go to yeah but you appreciate it more the fact that you took so long to get there well first of all yeah because you sit there and watch it on tv every single year going i wonder what that's like you know and then you hear stories of things like it's so awesome and and then finally you get to be a part of it i'll give you an example why i i know i never want to go to a super bowl ever again i didn't go to the super bowl here when it was in mm-hmm. met life um i always wanted to just be and i'm that one guy i said i'm i'm okay I've been to one. That's all I need to go well, to. Well, I'm trust Ever. me. You're, I, I think you're in the majority because most guys I've talked to over the years feel that way. And check this out. So I, I typically, I'm a very lucky guy when it comes to raffles and things like that. 
Honestly, like I go to these golf tournaments and I buy raffle tickets. I, I almost win every time. <laughs> I'm like, but I can't win the lottery. Lottery's not in, in my in my lucky wheelhouse. But so every year that the NFLPA puts out a uh, raffle, if it if you will, it's a drawing, mm-hmm. and twenty five players from the from the NFLPA win Super Bowl tickets. All alumni people. We're All alumni. About. Yeah, I won Super Bowl tickets this year, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I gave them back because I'm not going to California to go to the Super Bowl. That's for sure. I mean, I didn't even go to the Super Bowl when it was in my backyard. So you're not going to California. So I'm not going to California. No. But I had two tickets. <clears throat> Couldn't sell them. That you had to go. Right. If, now, Let's listen. make that clear to everybody out there. These are not tickets that can go on, on eBay no, no, or, no. or StubHub but or any of those places. Something. If they told me you can do whatever you want with them, uh, I don't know. That somehow might have just <laughs> went to someone else. <laughs> For face value, of course, right? Can, can, you yes. gift, can you gift them to your podcast producer? Oh, we might have been able to do that, mm-hmm. Pearson, yeah. Um, but evidently that's not going to happen. So <laughs> Next time. Next time, yeah. Next time. So, anyways, uh, exciting time though. I mean, listen, I, I think it's going to be, uh, I think it's going to be a really good game. Uh, I think that uh, Joe Burrow is a guy that really rises to the occasion in these big games. We've seen it time and time again for a guy. Matthew Stafford is, I think he's got more pressure on him because of you know the age and what he's doing. I mean, comes over to the Rams and boom, they're in the Super Bowl. Oh, the Rams were built to win it this year, yeah, no and they brought Stafford in to win it this year. Yeah, well, they did it. They're going to be hammered yeah. with cap issues and everything else yeah. going into next season. Yeah. I don't think they have a first-round draft pick until 2091. No doubt. <laughs> it's a problem. So, uh, yeah, so, I mean, it, it's, it'll be interesting and – of course, you just want a good game, right? I mean, don't we always yeah, just want a good sure. game? Uh, last few ones have been good. The playoffs, if there are any indication what this game's going to be like, I mean, the last six games of the playoffs were outstanding. All came down to last plays when it's you been think great. about it. It's been great. <clears throat> and and really, we've been rewarded with that, and I'm glad. Because, because the week before, the divisional rounds were okay, Ooh. but the but the uh, the wild card weekend was just kind of not good. Watered down a little bit. Not good. I mean, there was, the, there was the, one good game. Yeah, the Raiders game. I think for the people that really love to watch football, it's fine. But I, I think it is a little bit watered down. But you know what? Heck, as from a player's perspective, I can tell you that we're okay with it. You know, give give us a playoff game. That's fine. Uh, the one thing that people don't understand about the playoffs and all this stuff is that if you're making thirty million a year. And you're making you're the guy at the bottom of the roster, maybe making league minimum of seven hundred and fifty, whatever. It's still mm-hmm. a lot of money, right? Mm-hmm. Everybody gets paid the same once the playoffs starts. Yeah, I don't know if people understand that the postseason checks are equal, equal right across yeah. the board. Yeah. It doesn't matter if you're the star quarterback no, or the backup special teams gunner. Yeah. yeah, you're taking a pay cut. These guys are taking a pay cut to get in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. I mean, most of them, almost, no question, almost everyone, no question. Um, so, which know. is why I get so rankled when people say, you know, uh, guys don't want to win or guys uh, are willing to play less than their best. And why won't they give their all? Look, every single player has to have that competitive nature in him or he wouldn't be doing this. You don't put your body no. through the hell that you put it through <clears throat> year after year after year. And then not want the payoff of being in the postseason. Well, listen. I mean, if you're one of the better teams, you only got to win three games. 
Win three games and you're in. Yeah, and then you, you get win the, the championship. And then you are a Super Bowl yeah. champion forever. Yeah. So if I tell you that, you know, if you're making $30 million, then how about, okay, these are obviously quarterback numbers. If, you know, if you're going to go to the playoffs, this this win, you know, and you're, you get a first-round oh, buy. The, the playoffs for a star quarterback is grocery store money. Yeah. But but that's Forever, the whole point. It doesn't, it, 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 it doesn't mean anything It has to nothing them. to do with money at that point. Exactly. It's what you get paid to do for the whole season, and now your reward is that you get a chance to go and compete for that Lombardi trophy, mm-hmm. which is phenomenal. I mean, phenomenal. I look at it every day because it's in my office. Look at so it every, you have to look at it every day. I look at it but every day. But it's so cool, isn't it? It's it's it's, it's crazy. It's uh, it's amazing. It really is. And you know, I people don't understand the joy that you get when you accomplish that type of goal. Now, <clears throat> I had a beautiful career. You know that. Mm-hmm. And it and luckily it ended because there's nothing in the National Football League that I did not do. Correct. All pro, Pro Bowls, you know, uh, everything. Mm-hmm. Super Bowl, I did it all. Mm-hmm. And even in college. I won a national championship my last year in school. I mean, so, man, I, I, there's, I got the trophy case going pretty good at the Fegel's house. Yeah, but that Lombardi is what you wanted. The Lombardi. I don't have a, I don't have a national championship trophy. I have a ring, but. Yeah, yeah no, that, it's important. And I think that, you know, that it's crazy when you hear, you know, how people, they get excited about playing for that type of, that trophy is like, it, your name never comes off that thing. Look, I think <clears throat> one of the things that really hit me and you remember when Rashad Jennings was here. Yeah, yeah. Rashad Jennings broke down and cried like a baby when in his last year with the Giants in 2016, mm-hmm. they made the playoffs. Right, right, right. He sat at his locker, and he was just bawling, crying and crying and crying because he had actually finally, from being an undrafted rookie free agent to making a team on special teams to then being a running back and getting to be a starter, signing a free agent contract. Nothing could move him mm-hmm. like making the playoffs to actually have a chance. <laughs> now, of course they lost in green Bay, yeah. but he I've seen him since. And he still to this day says to me, that was the most emotional time of his life because to actually get into the playoffs was so meaningful to him. Mm-hmm. And I'll never forget it because his reaction was so genuine, so authentic, and so moving because you realized that was everything to this guy. Sure. He'd never he, been there. Nine, what did he play? Nine years in the league, I think? Regardless, it's just, you know, it's hard. It's hard. I mean, they put extra teams in it now, but I mean, right. it's, it is, it's what you play for, and some guys never make it. They never get a chance yeah. to do it, you know? Yeah. Um, some guys that just, you know, they're, they're good players. And they might be pro bowlers, but they just never. I never asked you, what was the closest you had come before Super Bowl 42? Um, the closest was when I was in Seattle. We uh, we won a playoff game. And um, that was it. So that was in 2002, maybe? It was a wild card? It was a wild card team. Yeah. Yeah. And then we went to the, then we got beat by the by the uh, Cowboys, Jimmy Johnson. Okay. Um, And then I think that, we and when I was in Philly, we won a playoff game. So the closest I ever got two was, two, was two rounds. Yeah, that's it. Wow. That's it. Um, yeah, not many. <laughs> not many at all. 201-939-4513 is our phone number here on Giants.com. Paul Dottino, Super Bowl champion, part of Jeff Fiegel's with you up until the uh, top of the hour to talk football, Super Bowl, Giants, you name it, we're here. Uh, our lines are open. 
So, folks, I know every once in a while we get we get folks who say on Twitter or they'll call us after the show and say we couldn't get in. Well, get guess on what? Now. You can get in now. The lines are actually open at two zero one nine three nine four five one three. All right, let's talk a second or two while we have while the people start dialing us up mm-hmm. uh, about this Giants coaching staff. It's coming along. Well, we know that Wink Martindale, the mm-hmm. former Ravens assistant coach and defensive coordinator, uh, reportedly has things in order here to be with the Giants. That's not still confirmed yet. Uh, the Giants have yet to uh, announce that that deal has been solidified. But certainly from all the reports, it does appear like that's happening because we already see some reports of him compiling people on his staff. So I think it's appropriate to ask you, because I don't think you had a chance to say this the other day, or did you? Uh, the show on Tuesday, we had just got told that we could talk about Wink Martindale. So we did talk a little bit about A little him. bit. Yeah. I'm curious as to, as we wait for our phone calls, is there anything that you've heard or discussed with people about him over the last several days that would give you a better idea of what you think you can expect? Um, only that, you know... If you talk about the reason why he left Baltimore, I mean, you know, this kind of thing. I think there was some contractual stuff over mm-hmm. there. But I also think yes, it was I heard ca- the same thing. But I also think it was one of those things where I think it was a mutual agreement. Like, you know what? It's just time. He's been he had been there for ten years. And sometimes, you know, that's just the things work out. Um, but you know, as far as talking to people about his style and things like that, and John went over we both went over this a little bit. Okay. We know he's a very high pressure coach like as far as applies pressure on the quarterbacks tries to uh, aggressively design defenses to get guys free runners in there for some kill shots on the quarterback mm-hmm. um, and that I was watching some film the other day how he does that is pretty creative um, plays a lot of man coverage mm-hmm. does a lot of zero <laughs> coverage too because you know of, what was surprising to me? John mm-hmm. called up the numbers from the uh, analytics service, and there was fewer of those than we thought. Mm-hmm. The perception is yeah. that he runs it a lot. There's a lot of single high. I, I, that's for sure. Well, that, no, that's that's a that's a given. That's a staple. Yeah. When you take that safety out of the out of the equation, he comes goes to zero. I think he runs it more than normal people do. So I it think just, that's fair. So even though it's not a lot, it still is more than the other by guys. comparison. By comparison, there you go. That's that's a good word to use. So I just, you know, I look at the way his rankings, I look at the players that he had down there at Baltimore, and I feel like he's a guy that can can really come in here and do what he wants with what he has. He's going to be able to compete at a level with the personnel that's here as it goes forward. Obviously, it's going to get better, you hope. And then he's going to have to design this defense around the personnel that he wants. You know, they got to draft some guys. All right, so now this is the question I have for you, and we'll, you know what? I'm going to get to the phone calls, and then we'll go back, and I'm going to ask you a question about Wink Martindale. But we will hold on to that thought because I understand that the callers are starting to flood in. So let's see if we can go to line number one. Scott from Grand Rapids, uh, you're first up on BBKL. Hello. Hey, how we doing, guys? Hi. Good afternoon. Uh, Good afternoon, good afternoon. Uh, I wanted to talk to you guys a little bit, so... Uh, we keep talking about the cap now. I was just thinking about it. I was going to call you about the draft. So I have two questions for you. The cap situation, I thought it was supposed to go up like $30 million this year, which would give us some of that relief. And I wouldn't say sign 
sign free agents, but maybe hold the guys like a James Bradbury, some of these cap casualties you guys are talking about uh, over the past couple uh, uh, podcasts here. Uh, is that not a true story? Is it not going up with all the deals and everything? Are, are we still stuck against the cap? Like, how, how are we in that Yeah, Scott, situation? here's the problem with that. You're right. The cap will go up for the 2022 season. The problem is all of the guys who are under contract who are not going to be free agents have numbers that are also going to go up as scheduled during the 2022 season. So all of a sudden now, you've got to... I didn't even project that. I didn't even think a lot of... You have to. Yeah, because the... the, the, Yeah, yeah. Those those salaries accelerate. (laughs) Okay, that makes sense. So, yeah, so the way that uh, Gettleman must have signed the contract was, you know, pay little now, pay more later, and kind of, you know, gives us a... Uh, a hard feel at, at this year because we're hitting the contract. Okay, that made, that gets me understanding because I was so confused. I'm like, we have the team and we're getting 30 more million in cap. How are we losing people? So makes total sense. Thanks, Paulie, for that. Uh, now, draft, I got a question for both of you guys, whoever wants to take the angle. I do a lot of the, the PFF uh, mock draft simulator. Uh, I don't know how realistic it is. I do try to, you know, put it randomness down. I try to go off the PFF board versus the public Joe Blow board. But... I've been seeing, I mean, with five and seven overall, uh, very rarely do one of the top two edge guys come down. But if they do, I always draft those. But that often leaves two, if not three, of those tackles open. And then you got the center that, that's a really hot prospect. So the question for me is I've traded back a lot in those simulators, and not for, you know, what I would consider unrealistic. So I went from five to nine with the Broncos and picked up their second rounder the same year. And then I moved from that nine to Washington's 11, also grabbing Washington's second round. I was able to get one offensive tackle. Then at 13, I pick up, or excuse me, at 11 that I took from Washington, I picked up the center. And now I also have three back-to-back-to-back picks in the second round. A, would you, would you trade out of those spots for that kind of value, uh, depending on how the board fell? And... Uh, if not, kind of what, what would be your idea? Do you think you just stick and, and pick, or, or what's your guys' idea on that? Well, to be frank with you, Scott, I've tried to explain this to, to John and Lance. Uh, I, I believe if you have pound your fist on the table impact players at 5 and 7, you have to take them. I don't think you yeah. can trade back. Because and that's what I did with the edge rushers. It's okay. Like if, if Aiden, Aiden Hutchinson fell or uh, uh, the Florida guy fell to me, I always took him at five. But that typically meant that the board fell unusual, like a quarterback was jumped up or the, one of the corners went off the board or two of the offensive tackles. So at that point of stealing the top talent edge rusher, do you think it would be smart to trade back, maybe gain some more capital and still be able to pick up either a tackle or a center and gain some draft capital? Well, I think I think Jeff and I are on opposite sides here. I we think are. you're yeah, you're with Lance and you're with John. I'm with myself, not with those two. Okay. Guys. Well, but you would rather you rather Let's get that clear. But you'd really rather quickly. trade out one of the picks. <laughs> I do. Okay. I, I I and I'm and again, nobody's right or wrong here. But remember this, I'm not very clear. I'm not trading out of the first round. I'm just going down and I like the 11 I because you. I think 11 at Washington at 11, they're looking for a quarterback. And they yeah. may just because you know how these quarterbacks they just they rise up at the end, whether they're good or not. I think it's just the way that the game is played these days is that they're, they're such a priority. And maybe that they like one of these guys and they want to get up to, you know, get up to five or get up to seven. 
I'm okay with that because I feel like, and I hope that Daniel Jones proves everybody wrong this year and that he can be the quarterback of the future if he shows this team that he can do that. But I think that the Giants will, you know, next year position themselves, if that doesn't happen, that they got to be able to have the draft capital to go get maybe one of those quarterbacks next year. Because I look at what the, you know, I'm sorry. I look at, and I I know that a lot of people, including myself, are going to do this over and over again, but I, I think it's proven that I look at what the Buffalo Bills did up there with going out and getting a quarterback and doing the things that they did. I think they're going to model that a lot of this after that. And I think that next year's quarterbacks are are going to be way more popular than they are the ones this year. I agree with that, Jeff. And last thing, and I'll, I'll, I'll ask to listen on the air because my app is, is kind of messed up. So if you can answer, I'll hang up immediately after the answer. Sure. Uh, you guys mentioned uh, the, the first possibly if, if Bradbury does end up being a cap casualty. I, I, my opinion is you don't take a corner that high. I mean, the, the corner position seems to be so hit or miss moving from the college level to the NFL level. You think you have a gem, but I want to see the last few years, these round one corners, they're, they're 50-50. Guys in the second round are better than the first round guys. Guys in the, in the third happen to be better than the guy that, mm-hmm. that was the overall prospect. So in my opinion, there is no way on God's green earth do I take a corner with one of those positions, no matter how the board falls to me, just because of how they typically play out in the NFL in the high risk. What are your thoughts? Well, I'll tell you my thoughts Thank right you, away. Thank you, Scott. Uh, yeah, thanks, Scott. So here's what you got to look at long-term, okay? So let's just put our long-term hat on. This team has a sour cap problem. You, If you're going to get rid of James Bradbury to save money, then you're going to have to find yourself a number one corner. Where are you going to get it? You're not going to go get it in free agency because you can't pay the guy. So you're going to have to find yourself a pretty darn good cornerback who you could be your number one, which, by the way, you're going to have to do it in the first round. So that's the only thing that I can see when you have to have that argument, that if you're going to get rid of your number one corner, you're still going to need to try to find one. Now, you can look at guys like Patrick Sertain Jr. I mean, there's some good ones in the draft. There are some good ones this year. Okay, so, um, you know, with that argument, you got to find yourself a cornerback. It's just a matter of time. This plays into what I was going to ask you in a moment. I would tell you there's no way I'm drafting a corner in the first round because Booth and Stingley are the top two corners in this draft, and they're not worth top ten picks. They're just not. They're going to go in the top ten. I would be shocked. Stingley will. He's coming off foot surgery. Yeah, every one of the mock drafts, which we you know you can put creeds in them all you want. Well, we we don't know, but, and 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 you know what? Let me let me come back a little bit. Let well, me pull back a tad. And, and again, I'm not going to take a cornerback if I have an edge rusher there or an offensive lineman that I need. Well, you can't. Okay, you just can't. No, but 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 in theory, I was just kind of going in theory. In, th- in theory, um, we all know that every one of these players has a player profile packet, and the medical is one of them. Stingley is coming off what the school called was a foot procedure last year. The guy needs his feet to play his position really well. <laughs> to me, I'm sorry, but that's automatically downgrading him. Well, I think they're going to have a – I mean, what's he going to do? Is he going to run? Is he going to run? Is he going to do the testing? And- Here's the problem. None of us have done the medicals. In mm-hmm. fact, there won't be medicals on him until the combine. That's when the medical people are going to tell Correct. the general managers – Okay, this is fine. Green light, thumbs up. It's not an issue. Okay. If that happens, obviously he won't lose any draft stock. 
Correct. But as it stands today, my gut feeling from being in our BBKL room without any medical evidence, that says to me... Pearson, are you a doctor? No. He's yeah. Not. Okay, yeah. Guy yes, had sir. a foot procedure. Yeah. I'm dropping his his grade. Okay. Well, I mean, you're not the only one. I'm sure that that will happen too, but... Um, well, how do you think Ojolari got to the Giants in the second round? Well, yeah, he had that knee problem. Right? So, yeah. I mean, it, it hurts. It, it's a problem. Things happen. It's um, a, and I, I just don't think there's no... Remember what... Um, uh, Okuda was uh, was a top five pick, you know, a couple years back. Everybody went in saying Jeff. this guy's going to be one yeah. of the top five players in the draft. Case closed, no question about it. For Detroit, right? When yeah. In Detroit, yeah, I don't see anybody. Yeah, who qualifies in that level in this draft? Right. I just don't. Well, I mean, if if that's the case, and you you know for some reason James Bradbury is is let go, um, or traded. See, listen, I I I'm I'm in. I'm in with Joe Shane here, and to use his term, which, by the way, Lance's term, too, at-bats, mm-hmm. you know, like more swings. I, I'm with the more swings philosophy at this point in time with the Giants. This team needs to be rebuilt, and it needs to be rebuilt from the ground up, which means you, you do it from the draft. Let me ask you something. If you felt at 5-7 and seven you could get two immediate plug-and-play starters on the offensive line who were studs, would that change your mind? Well, it just depends on – yeah, but I don't know. I mean, we don't know who's going to be there. Okay, we don't know who's going to be I'd there. I'd rather but... have a plug and play offensive lineman and a defensive edge rusher. Sure, I'm fine with that too. And then that way, I'm not like. And again, you know, we're talking about this center position, right? If if Linderham or Linderham, what's his last? You know, the guy from Iowa, Linderbaum. Linderbaum. I mean. If you want to go get him, he's he, he's going to be available in the first 15 picks. That's my guess, right? I, anywhere between 20. No, he's not going to go to 20. He's going to be picked 15 and a half. Probably in the teens. Probably. Yeah. If you feel like you want to go get him and trade down for it, all the power to you. But I'm just, I'm not a big fan of, I'm not going there. I mean, I'm not. Now, see, to me, to me, Hutchinson and, and Thibodeau are probably both going to be gone. By the time the Giants get their five and seven. Okay. So okay. I, know, I know where you're going here. And I don't think there's another edge rusher who is worth the seventh pick in this draft. I don't. Not yet, at least. Right now, I just don't think so. Now, if those two guys are gone, now you're looking at Karloftis, the Greek freak from mm-hmm. Purdue, mm-hmm. who, by the way, is a 4-3 defensive end. That's not what Wink Martindale plays. Mm-hmm. Just saying. Yeah. Because you got to get a scheme fit. Okay. Yeah. And beyond that, the linebackers that people keep talking about, Devin Lloyd, not a pure pass rusher. He's an all-around, probably the best linebacker in this draft, all around, but not a dominant pass rusher. I can't take that guy at seven. Um, Ojabo from Michigan, one-year starter. One-year starter. Yeah. That, that, I can't take that guy at seven. It's like Quiddy Pay. same thing. So you see what I'm getting at? Mm-hmm. So to me, to me, Unless Thibodeau or Hutchinson drop to five or seven, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to tell everybody right now. I'm, I'm going to give it to you. I haven't said this. Put it on a board. It's, I'm going to say it right now. <laughs> Iquanu, the offensive lineman from NC State, if he's on the board at five, that's who I would pick for the Giants. And he's got he's on a lot of people's boards to the Giants. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's who I would pick at five. Can I get Neil? At seven... <laughs> Given that 
I don't think the corners are worth it, and I don't think the other pass rushers, supposed pass rushers, are worth it. I'll go with a second offensive lineman at seven. If you want it to be, be a center, who, who, whoever your preference is. Do you like Neil? Do you like Charles Cross? Do you like Linderbaum? Do well, you Neil, like Kenyon Green? Well, Neil won't be there. I I think I think that Linderbaum should be lower. I probably Cross, Cross th- would be there. Okay, I think that that Green is is probably lower, but Charles Cross will be there. Mm-hmm. If Neil is there, I could see you taking Neil at I'll seven. I'll take him in a minute. He ain't gonna okay, be there. so you're with me on that. If yeah. if yeah, you would take Iquanu and Neil and be happy with that, right? Well, I I, I would probably take Neil at five. Okay. Not at seven. Could you take a Kwanu at seven? Mm-hmm. Yeah, if there's not a I'm going I'm going by best player available at this point. I'm just telling you. Well, what I'm telling you is <laughs> I don't think these other guys are necessarily better than these stud linemen. I think the value of an Aquanu, a Neil, and a Charles Cross in the top seven, I think those three offensive linemen are all worthy of top seven picks in terms of value. So for me, if I'm the Giants and I can get two of those guys at five and seven, I think you've actually matched value with need, which is always the best way to go if you can. What if you can get one of those guys at 11 and trade your pick? I think I think you're taking a really big risk. I don't well, think you're going to get one of those two guys at 11. I think it's hard for us to tell right now because, you know, nothing's warm as far as, you know, kind of understand what teams are going after. You know, a couple of weeks before the draft, people are kind of figuring out what teams are wanting to yeah. do. Now, having said this, if Hutchinson or Thibodeau fall to five. If anybody's going to fall, it's going to be Thibodeau. Okay, and I think we all agree with that. If Thibodeau falls to five, I've got no problem taking him at five mm-hmm. and then taking whoever's left of Aquanu, Neal, or Cross at I, seven. I, I'm on board you're with go, that. You're good with that? Yeah, yeah. I want my tackle. I need it too. Well, there you go. <laughs> because I want my bookends to be first-rounders. I want... And I said this before, if the Giants are going to make any type of a splash in free agency, it's not going to be a very big one because they're not going to have a lot of money. That's right. I would like to see a veteran offensive lineman be that splash. And now with... And remember, well, right actually, now they've got one bona fide concrete lineman. Yeah. So and you, is, need four, you need four more. Well, here's my... Yeah, exactly. So let's count them. You got, you got Thomas is my guy. So now concrete. I'm, so now I have one Everybody fifth. else is a question. I have one fifth. You're going to give me a free agent signing, whether it's at center or guard. That's who I want for a free agent mm-hmm. signing. I don't know who's out there yet. We're getting close to free agency sooner or later. Okay. I have two of two two of two fifths. Okay. You're going to get me a number one tackle Fine. in the draft. Now I'm at three fifths of an offensive line. Mm-hmm. I'm doing I'm doing okay now. Okay. I'm way better than I was. What would be April back to December? Okay. Five months. But you, still, you, got the, you got two more question marks now. But now here we go. So because I traded my seventh pick down to Washington, I'm going to get another second rounder. Like like uh, the caller had mentioned, if you're going to move down, they're going to get a second rounder and still to pick up the 11th pick. Then I'm going to go find myself another offensive lineman down there in the second round. Who's going to be most likely a starter, second rounder now, the question is, how do you feel about this crop of offensive linemen? Do you feel that after those top-shelf guys, there was such a drop that even though the guy yet. the guy could potentially start, he's not ready-made plug-and-play? i, I got to believe that there's going to be a one player in there. 
in the second round. On my high second round, which will be five, there, there's got to be another offensive lineman in there that's going to be worth something. See, I've got Iquano, Neal, Cross, Green, and Linderbaum as five for sure first-round offensive linemen. Okay. And after that, I haven't studied any. Well, because I, I only did film work on what I anticipated Yeah. I anticipated the, the top five would be. Well, how about this? I've got those. I've got those multiple second-round draft picks now. Maybe I move up into the first round to try to go get one of those guys at the bottom of it if they're still there. You know what I'm saying? So there's a lot of maneuvering to me. It all my philosophy is way different than yours and Lance and, and John nobody, and anybody's. Yeah, and, no, you know? and nobody's right or wrong. No, it's just here. fun Again, to let's talk make about. That clear. And by the way, the the Pro Football Focus uh, the draft simulator is fun. I I probably do it three or four times a week. For two, for two reasons. No, seriously, for two reasons. Number one, it's fun to do and just to look and see what I can get. But number two, it helps you study the players. You kind of understand who people are and you kind of get a okay. name of them um, because there's a lot of them. I mean, I think when we do all of our draft work, we really pretty much look at the first three rounds of people. So, you know, 100 or something players that we really kind of build our board around, right? I mean, after that, it gets a little bit crazy. Yeah, I, I usually go between 130 and 150. Yeah, well, that's that's you, not me. Well, that's, I'm crazy. Yeah, you're nuts. I am. Um, and so and I, what I like to do is I don't like to go any further than th- the third round where the, where the players are, where mm-hmm. the Giants have their picks. Because, I mean, if we're high in the third round, I'm pretty much stopping around the middle of that round. My theory goes the third day, the fourth round is like the first round of the third day. So that means something to me. That's kind of where I start yeah. to well, fade I, off a little bit. And 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 I, I there's plenty of players that are drafted in the fourth round that can contribute. Some you know? guys could even start. Yeah, 100%. It does happen. I, I'm not counting on it. But, you know, there's a lot of times that people come out of college and they just all of a sudden hit this second gear. And you're like, where did this come from? And they become good players, mm-hmm. you know. Um, it's, it's an exciting time and nothing's nothing's set in stone. And I think this is all about philosophy. Uh, it will be interesting as we get to know Joe Shane a little bit more than we already do about his philosophies and his tendencies and things that he's going to be doing to make this team better and taking away what they did up there in Buffalo. Because when you think about how they did things up there, it's pretty much mirroring a lot of the things that are happening here back in 2018 when, uh, the Buffalo Bills went through a little bit of what's going on here. Mm-hmm. So. All right, calls are now flooding in during the second <laughs> half of the show. talking about the draft. Uh, that's probably what did it. <laughs> 201-939-4513 is our phone number. Uh, I did lose the screen here, Pearson, so let's just go to line one. You're next on BBKL. Hello. Hi, this is Randy from California. Good to talk to you. How are you? Hey, yeah, you know I'm surrounded by Raiders and Niners out here. It ain't easy being a Giants fan, right? Mm, not 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 lately <laughs> that's for sure yeah well we got we, we got rid of the raiders now we just need the niners to move out and it, it would help us tremendously so you know but besides from that you know um he uh shane's come out and said he wanted to cut 40 million from the cap right the quote he gave to peter king yeah so if you're going to cut 40 million ouch uh first off uh, we know we're not going to rebuild this overnight. It's going to take at least, what, two drafts with some free agents, mm-hmm. if we have any, right? Mm-hmm. So I know we're talking about, you know, drafting this person to this person, but the most important uh, spot in the whole team right now is the offensive line. We've been trying to play that, fix that for the last three, four years. More than right? that, yeah. So I think we, yeah, we need to put all of our resources into the offensive line and get it finally fixed. 
if you have to get some more players in the second round, right, to try to plug in and see what works, right, that's priority one. Don't worry about pass rush. You can't fix this thing overnight. But you have to fix the line. That's the most important because it gives your defense rest. It keeps everybody else fresh, right? And it gives Daniel Jones time to throw the ball. Can't argue right with what you said. No, you're, I cannot argue with that. The one thing you have to caution yeah. yourself about, though, is that you got to build depth because you just can't go out there right. and throw all your eggs in one basket with that offensive line position. And next thing you know, you got guys that are getting hurt, getting hurt and then you got nobody behind them. That's a tough thing, right? And, and I think that happens sometimes. Right. I, I think logically, yeah, but- any anybody looking at this team would probably be disappointed if the Giants do not draft two offensive linemen. Well, like Cer- last year, certainly we were we were we were all okay. upset last year that that didn't certainly happen. by the by the time they get to that third round pick at the top of the third round, I think it's pretty safe to say you would be very disappointed if they didn't draft two offensive linemen. Now, where they come is open to debate. Yeah. Jeff is willing to get one lower than I am. I'd like to get one higher. Well, I'd like to get five, both of them. You got higher. five picks in the first eighty. Five exactly. Okay, so both you want two of those. Rounds. Yeah. There's got to be two of them on the offensive yeah. line. I'll go. You, I'll go with you there. I don't now, it care depends where they're on, at. Right. It depends on where do you put them. I would put both of mine higher than yours. But we can all agree they they've got to. By the time the second day of the draft is done, you better have two offensive linemen coming out of this draft. Yeah, but you know what? And and we'll get back to the car in a second. But when you look at the, the offensive line position and you start with your left tackle, that's where you start normally. You got your guy there. Okay. Now I'm going to go to the other side. I need a right tackle. Because I need two bookends that are going to protect Daniel Jones or whoever the quarterback is going to be for the future. I feel like we can find one in the middle somewhere, whether it's a guard or center at free agency, and then we can fill in the rest. And it's not build build the wall in one day. We got to have this is kind of a process. Oh, now. there's going to be right. a rookie learning curve for yeah. any of these guys. But don't guys you agree too? that wouldn't you rather have your two right, your left and your right tackle secured for the next four or five years with top first round Hopefully draft longer. picks? No, I'm just saying I, the way things happen, you never know. I mean, I hear it all the time, well, like, "Oh, you got your you got your left tackle for the next ten to twelve years." I mean, that's a long time. Can we is, just kind of like, is. you know, let's just play out his first contract of five years? Okay, Randy, go ahead. What else? Sorry. Hey, well, remember in uh, the first or the second Patriot when we had what eight to ten rookies on that squad? We had ten. Well, we had a lot. Ten. Ten. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And we went to the Super Bowl and won it. Right? Seven, all of those, seven of them contributed heavily. Heavily. Like, I mean, really, heavily. Yeah, big time. Like, I mean, right. catching passes, running footballs, special teams, snapping the football. There was a lot of different stuff going on there. I mean, if, we could, yeah, if the no Giants reason. can have that class this year, it's going to make a big difference. Yeah. But those, those kind of are lightning in a bottle. Yeah. But I'm going to tell you this, and I'm going to uh, call you guys next year, and we're going to uh, go over this. We will be on the edge of the playoffs this year. Watch it. Okay. All right, Randy. Yeah. Thank you. Randy, thank, thank you very much. Uh, before we get to the next call, 201-939-4513, I'm actually starting to lean a little differently on something, Jeff, and this is hard for me because, you know, I'm old school. But because of the way the Are you game... going outside the building? No, 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 no. <laughs> but because of the way we're seeing, there is much more emphasis on the interior of both lines than there used to be. Remember, it was always the edge. Mm -hmm. Always worried about the edges all the time. But we are now seeing more and more teams are concentrating and putting more emphasis on pushing the front of the pocket with the Aaron Donald types 
and they're looking for, you know, Allen from Washington, another mm-hmm. one of those kinds of guys. Mm-hmm. There seems to be more a three technique defensive yeah. linemen. Mm-hmm. Are guards now becoming a hell of a lot more valuable than they used to be, where everybody said, you got to take a tackle, and the guards, ah, that's like an afterthought. I think more and more, because of the way the game's being played nowadays, guards have more value today than they used to. Well, you look at a guy like uh, Hernandez. Okay, I was going to say Keith Hernandez, believe it or not. Will Hernandez, whose rookie season showed a lot of promise, and we didn't necessarily get it. And if you're going with that philosophy, and the team that you're playing went with that philosophy, and we decided that we are going to, you know, we're going to gang up on some of these guards around the, the league, and that, that holds true. I mean, because, I mean, Hernandez just did not get any better. He just kind of progressively got worse. And, uh, you know, that three technique is, you know, you're pretty close to the edge playing out there anyways. You know what I mean? So... I think you got to have some, you know, quickness at that position if you're going to be a three technique guy. You know, there's a lot of these big old fat guys, as you call them. You know, the the pluggers. The pluggers. I call them pluggers. Yeah, the two gappers, the guys that just the, sit the there. The pluggers. That, you know, they, if they like make, snacks, was a plugger. Yeah, I mean, here's a guy that you look at their career stats, and I mean, Blake Martinez has more tackles than them in in a game than they do in the whole year. So you know? you're with me now. The guards are now taking on more value. Well, I feel like they also are taking on a different type of. Uh, well, the Maybe schemes are different. The schemes are different. Yeah. yeah. And the attack modes are different. Mm-hmm. And the strategies are different from the defensive side. I just think guards have closed the gap on tackles much more than they used to. I think there was a big gap. Now it's a smaller gap. Well, you look at some of these offenses around the National Football League, for instance, like Kyle Shanahan, and look at what those guards have to do with those zone blocking schemes. Sure. They got to get out. They got to pull. These. I mean, these guys got to mm-hmm. be quick. Where before, you know, when you had these these running these running attacks that just were north and south a lot, you had the road graders. This is a big old strong center and guards, right? Not the most athletic. Your tackles were always the most athletic. Well, those things are moving inside now. Those guards are becoming a lot more athletic. Your centers are even becoming a lot more athletic, and they're not as big as they – well, the center's position was never as big mm-hmm. as any of the other guys. But just being agile and being able to be athletic and move – that's the big thing these days. And by the way, that doesn't mean that we're talking about they're shedding weight because these guys are not shedding weight. <laughs> they're getting bigger and they're stronger they and retire. they're faster and they're everything. <laughs> but I mean, you look, look at, at some of the now, way he's a pencil. Look at oh. some of the way that these offensive linemen get out of their stance and get to the next level. Look at how they pull on some of these plays. Mm-hmm. I mean, they are they are specimens. They really are. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's there's, there's not a lot of fat on these big guys. No disagreement. They are in shape. Big dudes. Strong. Chris Snee was the strongest guy I've ever seen, other than Reggie White. Well, and, and that's been echoed here by people who have been around this organization a long time, that, that Snee was the strongest guy that they've had in the weight room yeah. for many, many, many years. There wasn't enough 45-pound plates in the building for yeah. him. <laughs> and by the way, I don't. Chris Snee was a second-round pick. Mm-hmm. So that was a draft where you could yeah. get one of those in the second round. You never did I ever tell you the story real Don't quickly know. about uh, Reggie White? There's how one he, this year. How he used to come into training camp every year, and we had our strength and conditioning test every year. You know, you had right. the conditioning test, whatever it was, the mm-hmm. 40, the 880, whatever. And then the, the, the strength test was you had bench press, you had pull-ups, and there was a couple other things you had to do. Reggie White, every single year when, he was, when I was in Philly, he would come in, he would wait until the very end, he would say to the strength coach, all right, what's the number? 
and the strength goal would go 32. And he'd get on the bench, he'd put 225 pounds on the bench, and he'd do 33. <laughs> every, I love it. Every year. He would, he would beat the highest number by one. Every, he could have kept going. But every year he would say, okay, what's the number? Reggie White, the best defensive end I'd ever seen. And, and what reminded me of that is just how strong he was. And if you got off balance, if you just tipped a little bit, he'll take, remember that club? <laughs> could dominate a game against the run or the pass. Yeah. He could do it. And, and Michael Strahan, the second best all-around defensive end I've ever seen. And I'm not afraid to say it. Yep, both of those guys are uh, really good. Different style. Mm-hmm. Different yeah, style. Yeah, totally but different they were, but, but they were both phenomenal yeah. in terms of what they Reggie were able to do. much bigger than... than uh... All right, 201-939-4513. I got to get back to the phones here because they are ringing. It's Doug in New York. You're next on the show. Hello. Hello. Hi, this is Doug White from Glen Falls, New York. Hi. And and Paul, when, when you see John again, tell him, I was the last guy on on yesterday. So I didn't even... I didn't Jump ship up. Is your phone line or mine phone about five seconds before it's supposed to come on? One dead, and I couldn't get back. Yeah, out. we we have an issue here with the technical uh, issues with the, with the phone lines. After X number oh, of minutes, uh, it just automatically cuts off. We're still trying to figure that out. It's it's a very complicated scenario. We got you on today, though. That's good. Please go right ahead. <laughs> All right. Well, I was I was gonna. There was a guy on yesterday who was talking about tight ends and. I agree with you about Jay Ferguson, but another kid from Iowa State there, I read stuff about him, and he, he's a, a doggone good blocker. He's got good hands, but they didn't really utilize him. Uh, Kohler, Charlie Kohler, mm-hmm. he's 6'6", like two, almost 260, a very good blocker. You probably could get him probably in the mid-rounds in the third or fourth round or, or later. There are, there are be a, a two-way, lot. two-way tight end. There, uh, are, there are a lot of of um, available tight ends in this draft. It's a healthy position. And especially if you are interested in a two-way tight end. I'm, I'm one of these guys who, over the years, I gravitate to the Big Ten. Because to me, Big boy. Oh, the, yeah. big, the Big Ten has the bigger, stronger, corn more, fed. Phys- more physical, <laughs> corn-fed, all-around tight ends. Yeah. The Big Ten tends to, to have those guys grow out of the, out of the cornfields. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's why, you know, you'll hear me very often when I when I pick a guy, I'm like, that's my guy. Ferguson is my guy this year. I would drool if the Giants could get Ferguson in like the third or fourth round. I would drool. Well, I mean, if you really look at that position from a cap standpoint, I mean, there's some guys at the at the tight end position for the Giants right now that are making up a lot of money for the cap. Mm hmm. So it's something you got to look at. Yeah, they're probably going to be gone. Well, uh, Rudolph is a cap guy, which you have to think about, and of course Ingram is a free agent. So, right. And Smith too. I'll go Smith. Smith our, coming our, off a serious knee injury. Our great, great tight end Mark Bavaro. After mm-hmm. he had that great season in '86, all the other teams start want a two-way tight end like him. Yeah. Well, <laughs> right now there seems to be a preference for those pass-catching tight ends. Big time, you know. The, everybody wants the next Kelsey, you know. Yeah, those don't grow. Yeah, but they, they seem to be. They seem to be a. Just remember uh, one thing. I was step. banging the table for George Kittle several years ago, and nobody cared because really? I like George Kittle. He'll be a third day pick. Nobody's gonna. I'm like, no, no, no. This guy is gonna be awesome. He's an all around guy. He does it all. 
And, well, unfortunately, I guess not a lot of people listen to me. <laughs> Have a good day, my friend. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Uh, one quick thought before we get to our final call. Uh, if the Giants are going to go to a very strong blitz man defensive scheme, like what we believe will mm-hmm. happen if Martindale is the guy, and they can't get a top flight cover corner because they've got other priorities and they see value elsewhere. I asked this of the guys yesterday. You have Williams. You have Holmes, who John threw Holmes out there. You have um, Robinson. Mm -hmm. I Mm -hmm. really like Aaron Robinson. So does everybody else. I'm not afraid. I don't think I'm afraid to put Aaron Robinson out there if I have to. Well, that you, you hit the nail on the head. You may have to. Now, Adore, you may have to. Adore Jackson. We know he's got the other spot. Yeah, but he might become your number one. Okay. You know what I'm saying? So, I okay. mean. If he has to, um, he has to. Yeah, I mean, obviously, if, I, if, I, if you said to me today, uh, Adore and Robinson is going to, who's my number one? I got to put the guy with experience. Sure. Um, I, love, I love Robinson. I think he's got some big ups. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, again, and this is what I like the signing or when it happens officially, I should say, of Martindale because I feel like he's an experienced defensive coordinator in this league, got a lot of history. And by the way, a couple years ago, he was in the running for the head coaching job. Yes. So very well respected, knows football like the back of his hand. I got to believe that this is a guy that can be like a chameleon. You can just change a little bit, right? I mean, Paul, he, he could be who he is. However, when you get here and you have a roster that you're looking down, you may want to play one way, but you're not going to be able to do it unless you have the personnel to do it. So that's why I've said this on Tuesday's show with John. Mm-hmm. You have to ask for a lot of patience here, folks, because it's, this is not an overnight solution. And by the way, both offensively and defensively, you're going to have to be able to create a team with maybe not the ideal personnel that you have in front of you for a couple years to come. Interesting point. Shane and Dable come from a Buffalo Bills team that did not utilize heavy blitz packages. No. Something to keep in mind. And I, I did find it a bit interesting that Martindale had been mentioned as a finalist and a candidate for this job on the basis that his scheme, his style, is not something that the Bills played at all. Well, In fact, they were more of emphasis on secondary, emphasis on bend but don't break. They did not send a lot of heat from that their was front Leslie seven. Frazier. Leslie Frazier. But one thing that Brian Dable didn't like about Martindale was the way that his team beat up on his. Because the Ravens knocked the snot out of the Bills by putting pressure on Josh Allen. They did. So maybe Brian Dable said, hey, maybe I kind of like this. I'm the head coach. I can get a defense like this now. Don't know. What I'm trying to say is that I think that that Wink Martindale has the ability to coach well enough that if he has the personnel here, He's going to have to do some things differently well, until he gets what he what he wants. As I said to John yesterday, Patrick Graham came here from the Dolphins with the reputation as a guy who's going to come after you hot and heavy. Yeah, remember? Multiple schemes, Multiples, but multiple. he's going to come after you. Yeah. 
He did not do that, especially this past season. Could. He went to the bend but don't break. Yeah. And they toughened up in the red zone. That's one thing. And the they were terrific in the red zone. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So there's Patrick Graham who proved that he could shift gears if he had to. Man, would I would I love to have him sitting right here and I'd ask him about a couple guys on that offensive line, defensive line. You know, Quincy Roche, right? I like Quincy Roche. You liked him a lot more than anybody did coming, coming out of the last draft. Year. Yeah, I like both of those guys. I know you did. Um, from Miami. But I would love for him to, to sit here and tell us what he liked of, of uh, Ojolari. Um, you know, some of the younger guys in there. I mean, so I think that it's exciting to – I mean, if you're a player and you have a defensive coordinator coming to your team with this type of track record and you're one of those defensive linemen that are rushing the passer, I'm, I'm a little bit excited about the signing to be honest with you. If I'm a corner? If, if in fact, it goes through. Yeah, if, if, that's what I'm saying. And if I'm a cornerback, I know that there's gonna, I'm going to be put on an island of quite a bit and expect to be able to perform. Listen, the, the, I mean, I don't, have the, I don't have the roster in front of me to go back and look at the, at the, at the Ravens, but I know that last year that, that team was pretty beat up. They did. They got beat up during the course of the season. All right, I don't know if we're still in our rule of one call a week. Pearson, we kind of are, aren't we? So, you know, I see that Charlie is on hold. Uh, I will give him a minute. Char- Charlie, we're going to let you talk here for a minute. I think John's going to hit the ruler on my knuckles here because you're not <laughs> supposed to come in a, a, a second time. But I'll, I'll give you a quick shout because maybe Jeff was really desperate to talk to you. <laughs> yeah. Yes, that's, that's why I called. Jeff, Very good. I know you, you haven't talked to you for a while. You completely. Hey, I'm just going to say Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> hey Jeff, I'm just gonna say, what Miami player haven't you liked? Well, Tell me uh, one. Uh, well, I, I, I mean, um, no, there's not many. To be honest, <laughs> yeah. right. I'm a homer when it comes to that. So whatever. All right. Hey, look, uh, what I was gonna say is, look, we worked really hard to get the fifth and seventh pick. We lost a lot of games to get there, so I wouldn't be giving them up. I wouldn't trade them. We earned those spots. Let's take a pick Not even there. four picks down. I mean, four <laughs> picks to four picks. That's a matter of like that's a matter of forty minutes, maybe that you got to wait to get a pick again. It's like, come on, yeah. to get another second rounder. Long time. Uh, I don't know. Hey, Listen hey, again. Hey, nobody's right or wrong in these types of situations. Yeah, I know. I know. Um, but it would be kind of fun to put this all on paper to fe- to have a winner. Somebody that says, "I told you so." Look, well, look, look at it this. God forbid if it's Charlie from Maine. Char- I told Charlie, you so. Charlie, we're, we're on the same page here. My preference is to use those two picks to get impact guys. Pearson, but I can you write this. that yeah. down? Did, but did I will Paul say this, just Charlie. said I'm on the same page as you okay. are, Charlie. I That's will crazy. say this. Okay, You've, you you <laughs> really you really can't even think about making a move until you see how that board has fallen. There's Correct. just too many variables here. We're a long sure, ways away. Sure, yeah. All right. Hey, I just want to say about Will, Will Hernandez, you know, he played well his rookie year, fairly well. Maybe if we left him at left guard instead of moving him around, you know, maybe if this new regime and this new offensive we'll never know coach that. realized, you know, let's leave him at left guard and let's see. You see what he can do. Maybe that's all he needs is to be put in one spot on his comfortable side, his natural side, and let him play. Let's see what happens. All right, Charlie. And the other guy. Go ahead, real quick. Go ahead. Yeah. Don't forget, we have Ryzen John still on our roster. He's going to be a star tight end this year. 
They're going to figure out how to use this guy. And, okay, uh, this is gonna, where I draw you know? the line. You and I no longer agree. <laughs> Have a great day, Charlie. Thank you. <laughs> I mean, There's a name from the past, though, right? Yeah. <laughs> he would just came uh, on the roster like what? Three or four remember, games. Remember what he liked? He liked Doble, the French <laughs> oh, yeah, wide receiver. Yeah. Well, I won a bet on that one. Uh, yeah. Uh, Jeff Fiegels, always good to talk to you. Good stuff, guys. He is Jay at Jay Fiegels. I am at Giants WFAN on Twitter. Uh, don't forget, Big Blue Kickoff Live is live every noon uh, on weekdays here at Giants.com. Write down the number 201-939-4513. Thanks for listening to today's episode. It is part of the Giants podcast platforms at Giants.com slash podcasts and all of your favorite podcast platforms everywhere. So long, everybody.